Hey friends, we got another episode of the My Pilgrimage podcast coming out for you. And today we're talking about meditation. Um, I am gonna play a video that we did, um, that Seth did over here on Maui, just as a way to kind of get our minds into a good space. And then there's a conversation that's gonna take place between myself and David Salmon, who's a member of the group. You guys might recognize that name. And we're gonna, he has a kind of a wonderful kind of meditation practice that he does and he wanted to, we wanted him to share about that. And then I'm gonna lead you through a 10 minute meditation at the end. So be prepared at the end to find a place to drive in, pull over, uh, or if you can find a quiet spot to be able to sit and close your eyes and, um, and walk through that meditation with us. So it's 10 minutes long. And it's something we want everyone to give it a shot if you can. If, if, you, if you're if you old hand and you know how to meditate, and that's great, you don't have to or whatever. But if, you, if you're curious and you want to try something, um, it's a great place to start. So, all right, enjoy first this video from Seth, and then we're going to have a good conversation. It's all energy. That's what my teacher kept telling me. He said, everything is energy tree, my body, anything. I didn't understand what he meant at first. I tried to pretend I did. But then I started to get into some of the science around it and started to ask some more questions. And what I learned is that there's distance between atoms. And if you close all that distance between atoms and shrink you up, you're 99% empty space. And what you are actually is a relationship of these weird quantum particles, subatomic particles, that are so small that once you get smaller and smaller and smaller and you get beyond what's known as the Planck scale, you don't even exist in space and time anymore. You stop behaving in space and time. So there's no future, there's no past, and there's no boundary to your location. You're actually right here, right now, just like this tree completely present at all times. Now the obvious question is, why don't we seem to experience that? Right? You get teachers, spiritual teachers, Jesus, people like this were saying so much about the I am, talking about this idea of being completely present. You know, they asked Jesus who he is, and he says, before Abraham was, I am. He identifies himself with God outside of space and time. Now, one thing we do know about these particles that's interesting is that they're vibrating. Everything is vibrating all the time. And some things vibrate higher than others. This tree right here and all this beautiful green around here vibrates at 528 hertz. The average human being vibrates at 200 hertz or lower. And we have little pockets of high and low vibrations inside of us. So if we're created in the image of God, that vibration exists within us. If we carry sin, like the Apostle Paul said, it's not me that sins, but you know, that, that struggles, but sin that dwells in me. If we carry this pain, we carry this darkness inside of us, those are low vibrational energies. And what's fascinating is when those energies come together into the same space, they tend to undergo a little bit of a instantaneous wrestling match. Quantum particles try to mirror each other. So I have a magnetic field that's generated around my body. Some would call that a spirit. And when my field comes into the field of, say, this tree, those fields start to try to mirror each other. So the question is, if I don't exist in space and time, and I'm vibrating all the time, 
how do I come to a place where I can experience that type of presence and vibrate as high as I possibly can? The question should be obvious. In light of what we know, who are you? Because you are not here. You are not there. You are everywhere. That's what science is telling us. And this should get your sacred text neurons kind of going. You are not back then and you are not in the future. You are now. And in light of that, what does that say about the nature of all humanity, of all creation, of where this is all going? So who are you really? Stop for a second. Take a deep breath. Observe your breath. Just notice it flowing in and out. Notice your thoughts. Don't think your thoughts. Observe them. Notice your feelings. Don't think them, I'm sad, I'm angry. Observe them. What are you feeling in your body? If we start to recognize it, you're not your thoughts. You're not your feelings. You're the one watching those. You will start to come into contact with, with what's been called in wisdom traditions, your soul. Your soul is that eternal part of you. That's the one that's in the now. That's the one that's free of space and time. That's the one who knows who you are. That's the one that's connected to God. Now your soul, let's think of it like a ball of energy. And it enters into this human experience. Well, that soul can be damaged. There's a condition known as post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's my belief that most human beings are suffering from this at some point and in some way. But let's take an example like a soldier coming home from war. They experience a traumatic event right on the battlefield. And that event can be so traumatic that a part of their soul will literally break off and escape the experience. And then they come home and it feels like there's a piece of them missing. And we find out pretty quick when they get triggered by a loud noise or something like that, that they actually left a part of them back on the battlefield. And that trauma seems to be happening all the time, 24-7. They're not free of it. What that is, is a soul that's been broken. And a part of that soul is stuck in that space, in that time. And now we carry this trauma happening 24-7 until we can heal it, until we can integrate it back into the body. Now, some people call this work soul recovery. And a lot of times when we move energy out of our bodies, when we heal, when we, we get that repressed stuff out through processing, what we actually do is, in a sense, start to send an invitation across space and time to those missing parts of our souls, and we begin to invite them back into that space that they once occupied. And that is how you sum up healing. That is how transformation happens. The 13th century mystic, Meister Eckhart, said that God is not found in the soul through a process of addition, but of subtraction. What he meant was that at the core, we are the image of God. And that sin is this thing that dwells in us. And as we remove that sin, or that pain, or that shadow from the body, we begin to shine more and more and more in our actual image of who we really are. Like it says in John chapter one, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. That as that light and dark, those low vibrational energies of trauma and pain and those high vibrational energies of the image of God begin to interact within us, the light starts to shine through. 
And that comes through a process of awareness. We become more and more and more aware of our identity. And this can't be done through the brain. The pain must be subtracted. So this process of healing is a reclamation project. We're taking back everything that was taken from us through a process of subtraction. And we're being changed every day. And it's an energetic process, meaning understanding your issues doesn't change you. Dealing with the energy does. When the energy changes, we change. And then we're free. And if you must credit God with this healing, then do so. But please understand that God is. The reason that you're healing is because you decided you'd suffered enough and you began to engage the love that has always been there since God exploded into expression all those billions of years ago. And this love is simply waiting for you to say yes to it. And that is our prayer for you, that you would say yes today to that next step on your pilgrimage. Pieces of your soul are waiting to come home. It's time to move. We'll see you on the road. I'm here with David Salmon and Seth Taylor to talk about meditation. Welcome, guys. Yes. Glad to be here. Do it. Let's <laughs> meditate. Let's meditate your shit. Um, <laughs> this, is in, this episode is in response to you know, questions and um, some conversations that have been going on about meditation, and there's a lot of questions around, around what that is. Um, in the Christian context, a lot of us kind of came out of a, out of a Christian context or are still uh, working within a Christian context. Um, Meditation has, has always been associated with contemplation and the idea of kind of uh, thinking about something a lot. Um, that's not exactly what we're talking about when we talk about meditation. And at the end of this, we're going to lead, I'm going to, we're going to have a, a guided meditation for everyone to kind of go through. So as right. you're listening to this conversation, um, give it some thought in terms of, um, are you, you know, breathing and even beginning to observe your breath and observe how you go through this conversation when you're listening to the things that we have to say. What I'd like to do um, is start out, um, Seth had asked you to come on, David, because he said, look, David's actually started the meditation practice. I'd like to talk about what life um, was like before mm. meditation. When did you start to do that? And how did that, how did that work, that transition into that? And what, when did, it, did you feel like it was starting to work for you in a way that was really productive? Okay, I started... Um my pilgrimage it was the fall of uh, 18, I guess, September of 18, I joined. And I went through the guidebook and I would try to meditate and I wasn't getting very far. So I kept at it. And that winter, I actually went back to looking at porn. So I went back to the material and I saw there was a fa Facebook page. And then I joined that in February and everything changed. I mean, there were, all of a sudden there was a community, there were people that had been through this. Um, there was so much information on the site. Uh, I went back and read every single post. I watched all the videos and it was, it was tremendous. And I knew I was gonna work with Seth. Right. So I started, I signed up for that. We started like 10 days later, which was amazing. Right. And the first, very first time we had a coaching session, he led me into a meditation that I had a little trouble with. Right. You, it was pretty challenging. He was asking yeah. me to do some things, and he spoke for me. I was speaking to my wife. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're in the midst of getting a divorce, so it brought up a, it brought up a lot. 
and he was pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, sort of like what Floyd did later too. Sure. But uh, uh, that's when I started. And I think a day later, I went through the Alaska live sessions again. All right. And I got to that, uh, uh, the session on spirit. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting at my computer and listening to you, guiding through this. Right. And at the beginning, you know, we had to go someplace where we liked. And I went to the forest in Maine on this island in Maine. It's beautiful. And then I came back and then you said to separate mm. from the body. Right. And all of a sudden there was this white figure next oh. to me. I was afraid to look at it. Wow. Um, and I knew something just happened that was big. <laughs> right. <laughs> And after a few minutes, you know, you said to, I forget exactly how you ended up, but I figure let him come back into me. We'll merge. Right. And the energy was just, yeah. it was, it was tremendous. And I think that was the first time that there was a window opening sure. and I felt like, okay, you know, there's something here that I can, that's, that's actually going to go further. Right. Right. And I kept working with Seth all, you know, and, and within a few weeks, things started accelerating. Sure. You know, we were looking a lot at solar plexus and what happened, you know, where that is and its approval and, and right, 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 wanting right. to have that, that, that validation, which uh, was not just present in childhood in a way that was healthy. Right. Um, and I kept asking myself, why, you know, why do I have this tremendous need for approval? Where did that come from? Right. What was it? Right. It was about six weeks later. I was I lay down for meditation, and all of a sudden, I was in a space that was just like I don't I don't even know where I am, right? And it was formless. There were things around, and I was crying. I couldn't and I couldn't think. I couldn't put words into anything that I saw. And the only thing I felt was this deep loneliness, this feeling mm. of separation and loneliness. And actually, I had a whooping cough when I was an infant. Oh, interesting. And I realized at a certain point that I was in like a, one of those boxes in a hospital. Had That's no right. idea where I was. Didn't know what was going. Nothing's recognizable. Right. Occasionally, this sort of vague thing that I could recognize as a face. I didn't know it was a face, but I could just recognize sure. that. Yeah. But it wasn't familiar. Right. And, uh, and that was going, and I'm just, I couldn't stop crying. Mm. And then I went in and I brought light to this child and he lit up and I picked him up and I brought him to me and it was just this rush of energy. What do you mean he, you brought him to you? What I you brought him, him, I held him, I brought him to my body I see. and he just merged in with me. Mm. And that made for this tremendous just blast of energy. Yeah. And I think that was some of the beginning of real processing. Yeah. Uh, we had done a little bit, but mostly it was like going to the front of the house where I grew up and walking in and seeing someone there, seeing myself there and speaking to the, to the child and telling him I was sorry. I left him there mm -hmm. and I was here to bring him home Yeah, and doing that. But this was something that just happened right. out of the blue. Your meditations have always been very visual, yes? Like, extremely, a, visual. extremely visual. And is that extremely. something you've always just been a very, very visual person? 
Yeah, I mean, I studied art. I've always been a real visual person. Also music, but, you know, that's, but I, I'm very, very, very visual. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I'm very curious because um, that's, you know, we talk a lot about feeling and feeling, when, when we talk about feeling energy, feeling energy is a, is a psychic ability. It's known as clairsentience. It's yes. the ability to feel energy. The ability to see energy is, is clairvoyance. Have you ever noticed in your waking state, like with your eyes open, have you started to see energy in any way, shape, or form? I have more in meditation, but I have where I can be walking, especially walking through Harlem, which I was doing a lot pre-COVID, just yeah. going from the train to work. And so I'd walk two miles across town. I had a strong sense of the energy. Uh, I can't say that I saw things just in the same way that I do in meditation. Mm -hmm. But yes, you know, I could feel things. Yeah. You know, I could be walking across and actually have like walk by people and get feelings from them. I sort of knew what was going on. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that we want to, that was interesting. That was totally new. Thank you for sharing that. I want to, I want to, there are so many different types of meditation out there in terms of, and there's so much history in the world in terms of meditative practice, in terms of traditions of meditation and Zen Buddhism and, and Hinduism and all kinds of different ways of meditating, including Christian meditation, the, the monk traditions, the, you know, the desert fathers and the, how they approached meditation, Jesus himself, 40 days in the desert. People yeah. go, well, he wasn't walking around just, you know, like singing tunes the whole time. He was, you know, there's nothing right. to do in the desert except for to sit and to be in that con contemplative space. And the reason, the reason Jesus went into the desert, I know we have the stories of him to be tempted by the devil, but even if you were to go, okay, so those are the, I think we have three stories of him being tempted by the devil in the desert. Those would take a, I don't know, a couple hours you know, the devil to do that kind of stuff. Um, so he had a lot of time to himself and we don't have any, we don't have, we don't have an accounting of what Jesus did for 40 days, but he, we, we know that, that he came out of that, a, a changed person, you know, as a, there was some, there was an experience and a growth that came out. There's no, you know, that's why he did it. One of the things that's really helpful for me is, is, is it is delineating between meditative processing and what you could call, uh, um, I don't know what the term would be. What's that? Mindfulness. Yeah, mindfulness. Perhaps. Yeah, mindful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Mindfulness is, um, and I do both in my in my life. Yeah. Early on, um, early on when I when I first met Floyd and met Floyd taught me how to process. It was a lot of processing. Um, the first couple of years were I would say dominated more by moving emotion and working through trauma and working through past trauma experiences in my life and healing. And I know even for Seth, like sometimes it's even stuff that you could call kind of past life trauma, where you're going back deeper and deeper and deeper into your own kind of genetic pool and working through um, traumas that come through. Um, for me, I quickly, I think after about two and a half years, kind of came to a space where it became a daily practice of more mindfulness meditation in which I was just sitting in that when I, in the, in, I'm sitting in spirit. Um, what I do in that, in that video on the Alaska series where I'm sitting and talking about the spirit, um, I do that every day where I sit, I do that for 10 to 15 minutes every morning. I do it on a bench right out here in front of the house and I sit palms upward and I just feel the body and I, and I tend to, in that moment, disidentify with the body. I go, I start, I see it very quickly as I feel the spirit of my, my own spirit and I feel the detachment from the body being me. I feel it from my thoughts too, where I don't, oh, my thoughts are not me. My brain is not me. My body is, this is the tool I've been given. It's the, the meat puppet. 
you know, it's the thing I have. And, um, and I, and I just, yeah. And I sit in, in what you could call and this, not to, not to sound weird, but in a purposeless space. Um, I just, I guess for lack of a better term, I just, I just am. And I sit in the, I amness at that moment. We talk about, um, and I think that a lot of, a lot of people, you know, the spiritual teachers that are out there right now talk about that a lot in terms of kind of being and being in the, I am and just being in that experience. And, and, and when you're in that space and you experience this, David, I'm assuming is you feel that connection with all other things. You just feel this, this lack of separation from things and the, 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 the feeling that people have this separation from God, it just disappears. And all of a sudden you feel completely connected to God and you feel connected to everything. I feel, you know, you feel connected to other people. You start feeling their pain. You can feel all, all that stuff. That's where I'm at in, in most of my practice now. Seth, Seth had challenged me a few weeks back to start setting some high goals for myself in terms of um, pushing on, on setting personal goals. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I don't really get triggered anymore. He's like, Oh, that's cause you're not setting any, you know, goals. And I was like, you know, that's not cool. And he was like, no, that's true. You try it, you know? And as soon as I did, I set some business goals and I, it got really triggered and I had to do some processing, which I haven't done in a long time. And I ended up having kind of, and I'm a, I'm like you, David, I'm a very visual processor. I can use my imagination really well now to like, bring things in and bring people in and bring in help and have and see and see everything really, really crystal clear. And not everybody's like that. Right. Um, so it's like, for me, it's become a, a tool belt of meditations. You know, I have all these different ones and I, and I follow my spirit and there's days where my spirit wakes up and tells me we got to do yoga today. We're going to, we're going to go do yoga because it's a, it's a meditation that really has a physicalness to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's days where um, I, I just want to sit and just do nothing, you know, I want to ask, uh, so in the line of what you're just saying, like Dave, with, for David, Sam, when you, I'm curious how it's evolved for you. Cause I, you know, I was there watching you, you know, for a year, yeah. you know, and just watching the processes you were going through and how you learn. So when you sit down to meditate now, does it always have a purpose or are you just kind of opening yourself? Like what's, I, what's the actual, can you get it, walk us through your actual practice? Like kind of what you do? Yeah. What, yeah. Now I would, I would just lie down and breathe and just be. You know, yeah. in breathing, are your eyes closed? You're blindfolded. Eyes are closed. Eyes um, are closed. Usually I got a pillow. Okay. You know, behind my head. Sure. Um, what do you do with your hands? I put them out beside me. Just put yeah. them up face up beside me. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. You know, just sort of like 45 degrees out or something like that. Sure. Just take several really, really deep breaths. Okay. You know, like, like Floyd would do, just fill your body with breath mm-hmm. and then center and then just slow down breathing and just open up. And, and because pretty quickly I'll get to some space that's very wide, yeah, very spacious yeah. and body is, is, doesn't mean anything. I'm in a different sort of different world yeah. in a way right. of, of feeling. And mm-hmm. if I feel something in my body, I might just go that direction. I usually don't have a purpose when I lie down unless something really has happened. And I want to say, I want to look at that. And then things may arise. Often something specific will arise and I'll, I'll go into that. I'll just let it go. I feel spirit leads. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah, I just, uh, I just breathe and experience it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll say something 
you know, I've heard different kinds of mantra sort of things, I guess, but one that I like is, you know, this was from uh, James Finley, but breathing in, say, uh, God saying, I love you. And then I can breathe out and say, I love you. Mm. And just let that be in, a, in like a circular way. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, that feeling of, of feeling of connection, it just fills, for me, it just fills my chest. It fills sure. my heart and my heart just opens up. Sometimes I'll even have an image of my heart splitting and uh, seeing the heart and energy coming into it and flowing. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. And if you have, if something presents that needs, you said uh, sometimes something will come up and I'll look at, I'll take a look at that. Yes. What does that look like for you? When you say, I'll take a look at that, what do you do? Um, Usually I'll be, it's not ver verbal, but I'll be thinking, you know, about why am I seeing this? What, what am, what am, why am I being led to this? Mm -hmm. I'll have some thought like that. And usually there's an answer. Often like an intu be intuitive, an answer. like, like words, like, an yeah, intuitive. it's, I don't, it's not like I hear words, right. but I'll intuit the words. Right. And, um, it, it's, it's real. I see it very much as a listening practice. Yes. You know, feeling yes. and listening. Yeah. And I can feel this even walking. Like I walked around the block a couple of times a little right. while ago and I'm asking questions and, and then listening. Is there something that comes back? And it may just be a thought that comes in immediately. Sure. And this is walking in the spirit, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Right. So let's talk about intuition for a minute. Um, just for people that are, that are brand new to this, because there are people that are listening to the podcast who haven't even done the books or done the guidebooks. Hmm. People who are, are listening, when we talk about intuition, we're talking about that sixth sense. Seth had explained this a while back really well. He had said that we have our five senses, you know, taste, smell, touch, sight, hearing. And then we have a sixth sense and it's called intuition. The sixth sense is the thing that guides us through things. But in order for in this mode, and this is important because for David and for Seth and for myself, we all have given ourselves permission to follow that sixth sense. And in order to do that, you have to start in an open space that doesn't have a lot of wrong answers. Because if you have a, if you have a preconceived conclusion about what is correct and what is not correct theologically, philosophically, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, that you have come to all these preconceived uh, and you are governed by that programming. It is extremely difficult to learn how to heal because yeah. you have, because you have to open up. And the, the most important thing is you have to be able to say, I, yeah, I don't know anything. I am going to open up to the answers. Now the spirit is going to give me. And that, that is real faith. It is faith to say, I trust that God is actually going to lead me through this space. If you don't do that, if you are, nope, this is the way, the truth, and the life, and this is how it's going to be, then you're wasting your time on this space. And this is why you go to a lot of churches, and not just Christian churches. You go to the mosque, you go to the synagogue, you find religious people who don't pray. And if they do, it's a superficial event, and they're not following spirit, and they're not following intuition because they have a fixed sense they have put god in a box if you put god in a box and you say this is and you try and define the undefinable thing then you're not going to be able to learn this skill and you might as well give up right now if that's if you're at you well i'm not changing my book well, stay here go find a different podcast because you're, honestly like it doesn't work you have to stop and go 
I've arrived here. I'm a porn addict and I'd like to change and I'm willing to give up what I need to give up in order to learn it and to understand it. Would you agree with that, David? I would. Absolutely. I mean, I have a different background than a lot of people that are are coming to my pilgrimage. I think is why you, why I was telling David earlier this, I said, I think the reason that he flows so well is because he didn't have that same religious programming. Like you didn't have that heavy programming to dismantle. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a big part of that process for you. And I had a background that was, you know, I I, I always believed in a kind of spiritual spirituality mm-hmm. and an ability to connect with something that's sure. beyond what's just every day. Right. And uh, and that's why in this practice, I'm like, holy, this is what I've been looking for. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what actually, I was. I felt like I was coming home. I was going to ask you just, I mean, because not everybody knows you. I mean, we've, some of us have conversed with you on the Facebook group, but can you, like, what is your story? Can you give us the five minute version of, of kind of where you've been and where you've come to and what, where, how, how you mean, you mean spiritually uh, in terms well, of like, look, why did you show up in my pilgrimage? You know? Yeah. Oh, porn addiction. How long? I was looking for something. Oh my God. 20 years. And how old are you right now? Uh, 69. Man, I tell you, we don't get a lot of that. <laughs> we don't get a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there's a kind of a, a, a notion out there that when you get to kind of a certain age that you are who you are. Yeah. It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, it's the way it's going to be. And you kind of set in your ways, but for you, you just were like, no, I'm going to keep searching. When did you start kind of seeking? Oh, healing? I've, I've been, when did I start seeing healing? Uh, when did you start to seek after him to try and find something See, to fix? it? Oh, it was that fall. Wow, that was the first You've time. always been kind of a seeker, though, yeah? I mean, you've always been... Yes, you've always, I've always he, been, he was, I've been a seeker. And I'm a child of the 70s with yeah, all right. the drug culture. And, right. you know, you, I... You I, experimented I, with just about everything under the sun. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> right. pretty much. Right. That would take you into different worlds in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and But I kept looking for a spirituality that was authentic. Yeah. And I right. had no idea how to get there. Sure. And I when I went to church rarely but when i did that didn't seem to be the path right for me it didn't right. it didn't work yeah, i'm getting a divorce and one of the things was is that my, my my wife had an affair right which would have been fine we can heal that uh except she wasn't so interested in healing so uh but i was healing myself and going through a program for that that was basically online and one day i heard someone mention triple x church for uh, for porn addic- addiction and so i looked it up and then it was like door a or door b you know right sure <laughs> and, and i couldn't figure it out and then i just said well this seems to be more uncertain for me i'll go this direction and it right. was to my pilgrimage so it was great i wish i had community at that point but i did go through things and i went through it on my own and the material was wonderful but that winter, and I stopped, I stopped looking, but I could stop, like you said in the past, David, you, I could stop for months, yeah. and then things would get, I'd get so triggered and stressed out in a certain way, that's how I would have put it then, sure. I would go for medication. Right. And of course, I was going through this whole process related to the marriage, so at that right. point, you know, just sort of in no man's land. Yeah. So when I found the Facebook group, and I found there's a whole bunch of people here that are doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like within a week, I knew I wasn't addicted anymore. <laughs> it was gone. Yeah. It was just gone. It yeah. was gone. I never knew I was going to find a community because right. yeah. I was looking for that support. And then, I mean, 
just asking to work with Seth was like a big jump. And I thought, oh, my God, is he going to let me come in or not? And he says, well, we got to talk. And I said, we're going to talk. And he's going to say no. <laughs> right? <laughs> no uh, soup for you. <laughs> no. And, we let, we uh, let everybody We let everybody who requests to come in, we let them in. You know? Yeah, well, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> well, we, we let them in. We don't always, we don't always let them stay. Is the thing, you know, like when it comes to the Facebook, and this is one of the important things when it comes to the Facebook group is that it's a no judgment zone. And so, if you're listening to this and you haven't joined, come on over and you can join for sure. But it's a no judgment zone, which means you show up there, be prepared to accept other people's experiences and not judge them. And, that and if you haven't engaged the material, then don't comment. Yeah, don't comment unless you've engaged the material. We've had a lot of people come in and comment. And when you ask them, oh, did you do the material? They're like, no, well, there's no point in being there. The whole thing is based around doing this type of work internally and then having an internal and personal experience that you can then share with the group and then they can learn from that. We're, we're, all, on a, we're all on a path. We're on a pilgrimage together. And walking through well, it's a listen. It's a listening space. That's really yeah, what it is. And if you could space. sum up what we're doing compared to other things, it is this meditation that we're talking about. Like you're mm -hmm. actually, we're switching from talking to listening. Mm -hmm. We're switching from blasting at God to opening ourselves up to God. Right. You know, and and that has roots in in the most ancient forms of Christianity. Right. So it's, it's for those that are coming in with a Christian belief system that that says isn't okay you know it's it's going to be more than welcoming so when it's interesting because there's like almost like what 300 400, 400 guys in there and and, so, and some women Man. and there's all these people in there and only a handful of them actually interact but for those that have chosen to do that it does seem to be it, it has created a, a really I, I i it's the one redemptive thing about facebook <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's true facebook is like the most toxic space on the planet but this that but the the ability to create a closed group that it has a community where we can really actually open up and share and teach yeah. each other i think it's just that's absolutely wonderful yeah i know my first post and i got people responding and i felt wow this is great yeah you know i felt support right for where i was and i said yeah. you know this something's going to happen here this is good yeah I, you know, it's funny. It's like when we talk about meditation and we're going to lead, we're going to lead the, the guys through a meditation and everybody through a meditation here in a minute. When we talk about it that way, it's really interesting because what we're, what we are asserting is that there is something inherently uh, spiritual about being in a space in which you release and let go and you stop trying to control. I was taught growing up that that was a dangerous place to be. That if you opened up your heart, if you opened up your mind, especially to um, everything that, that then the devil would come in and demons would come in. That's that we had to kind of keep this thing closed, that we had to stay as Christians in a defensive posture in which we just stay closed so that no bad stuff can get in. It is, I can't stress enough how toxic that was for me and how much of my healing process was having to move out of that space and starting to realize that we're okay and that God is, is a not, that that's not the process. That's not what God does. And that's not how God works. And that's not how spirit works. And that there is no horned devil creature over here waiting to jump in as soon as I, I, you know, relax, you know? And, um, so, uh, for me, <laughs> for me, what I'd like, what I'd like you guys to do, cause like I said, it's not going to be a too long a conversation. We're going to do this meditation here. Um, I'd like you guys to kind of give some closing thoughts in terms of, uh, what you would leave these guys with as they begin to work on and work through this meditation and, and uh, kind of your blessing on, on that experience. Yeah. David, you want to go first? 
Yeah, I would say just open your heart. You know, let it, let whatever happens happen. But listen, let yourself feel, allow yourself to really feel whatever happens and just experience it and don't stop it. I think the, a welcoming kind of posture is the way to get the most out of this. I mean, that's what I would say. And I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, well, we're going to do, do something similar to uh, what we did in, in Alaska. Um, yeah, which a little bit different, but we're going to which is great. It's great, and I think that I was hoping that you might do a yeah, a, yeah, a guided meditation. You know, one of the things when you did that, and I heard at that time, I was really open. I said, "Yeah, I'll go. I'll go there. I'll do these things. Sure. Whatever thing I'm going to do it." And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Whoa!" Right. Happening. This is yeah, great. And, and, and I'm like, this is yeah. this is okay. I was a little right. afraid, but <laughs> yeah. No, but again, you, you not having the religious program really helps. And I would I would tell everyone before you start the meditation, and you, if you are a religious person, let your leave your religion at the door. Yeah. Like seriously, go find a different room before you walk into that room. Close your eyes and take your religion yeah. and all your beliefs and everything that you think is absolutely true, and just set it down for a minute. And then walk in completely as a blank slate spiritually. It's exactly the words I was thinking. Blank slate. Just come in. You can with a pick blank it back slate. up when you leave the room. When you get up. You can take all your belief systems back if that's what you want to do, um, and that's okay. Yeah. What I would leave it with is is we have to remember something when we're talking about this shift, this paradigm shift from an externalized world to an internalized world. We're talking about we're we're starting to play with the fabric of reality. So it's starting to acknowledge that reality isn't necessarily what you see, touch, hear, taste, smell. Reality is actually the, what you actually perceive. And so when we go inside, we have to understand that like when, when David you know, here, is here and he's talking about these experiences of his heart opening and these energies moving and, these, and seeing these visual experiences like this person showing up. And what he's experiencing is just as real as what you're experiencing in your everyday life. It's just as real as what you experience in a dream because it's all a perceptual experience. We're just, we're just choosing to go inward to where trauma is held in the body. We're going inward where, uh, you know, I like how Deepak says, this is the gap between thoughts exists. There is an internalized world. It's a, it's, it's, this is the world of quantum physics. Think of it like quantum physics, you know, you know, physics people early on in physics were trying to answer questions about what everything is big out there, you know, planets and all this kind of stuff. And then, the quantum revolution happening and like, Hey, if we just go deeper in smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, it will explain all that externalized stuff. And that's how meditation works. It's the same thing as quantum physics because you're playing around in a quantum world. So it's about the, the, the more internalized you go, the more it will, it will rearrange and explain this externalized world. So, so, you know, understand that, you know, I, I there's a lot of people will have an experience of a well, I don't know if that was real. Right. Well, of course, it, but it is. It's just as real. When you imagine, this is why when you watch a movie, and the movie's a make-believe thing, and it makes you cry. Right. And is that real emotion? Are you experiencing real tears? Well, of course you are, because we are creating reality in real time in your life. So meditation tends to do that. You know, whether it's in silence or whether it's a transcendent experience or whatever mm -hmm. it comes up. You know, we just allow yourself to say, "Yeah, accept yeah. it as." Yeah. That makes sense. Before we begin our meditation, a few thoughts. 
You are a soul. You inhabit a body. The body belongs to you, but it is not you. You have a brain. It functions all day and night, circulating thoughts constantly. Your thoughts are not you. You have a spirit that connects your soul to everything in the universe. When you are aware of it, it allows you to first connect to yourself and then to others, to nature and to God. Both your body and your spirit are tools that you have been given to help you navigate this world. We use our bodies to interact with the physical world. We use our spirits to interact with the spiritual world. You are a soul. Let's begin our meditation. Find a comfortable position to be in, whether sitting or lying down. Close your eyes. Place your palms upward and open, resting in your lap or on the floor. Now just breathe deeply and slowly. Fill your body with air. Fill it all the way to your toes. Fill it all the way to your fingertips. Now turn your inner attention to the palms of your hands. Feel the energy radiating from your palms to your fingertips. Now let your attention follow that energy up your arms to your elbows, now to your shoulders, into your torso, and down into your legs and your feet. Feel the energy coursing through you. Now picture or feel a small glowing warm light in the center of your chest. It is floating in the center between your rib cage and your spine. Hold your attention there and just feel that light. Feel the warmth. Feel it pulsing. Now say the words in your mind. I am love. And feel the response. You are love. And just be. Keep your attention on your center. If your mind wanders or you become distracted, don't worry. Simply bring your focus back to your breath and the words. I am love. And the response. You are love. I'll mind the time and call you back to your body when we are finished. Just be. I am love. You are love.
Now bring your attention back to your breath. Feel your body. Flex your hands and your feet. Take three deep breaths. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. The light in the center of your being has always been with you. It will always be with you. It has never left you and it will never leave you. Carry it with you today and every day and allow yourself to feel it whenever you can. Resist the urge to give it a name. Enjoy it. Blessings, friends.